these resources are from Family Life Resources, both from the Preparing for Marriage, <coughs> Pre-Marriage Workbook, but also from a Family Life Conference that we attended. And what we've done is they all give you different issues that, that you should work on to have a successful marriage, but I like to put things in acronyms that are easier to understand. I'm going to throw this up, but you should oh, probably be able to. It's okay, Russ. Let's see. So this is our acronym. We made this up, but it's just a kind of a summary of a lot of other stuff. What's that? Okay. Oh, yeah. And so as we get into this, Aaron's right. We're, we're going to pass on the acronym jumping, for a second. I jumped way ahead. Getting antsy because of the time. I have a few questions for you guys. How many of you have seen enough good marriages to be convinced that marriage can work? A few of you. A few, yeah. Probably um, less than half, or around half, maybe. How many of you have never seen a good marriage? Okay. Um, what have you seen? What have you seen? What have you seen? Um, what are some issues that you guys have seen that destroy marriages? You guys want to throw something out? Trust. trust. Yell it out loud. Lack of trust. Lack of trust. What were you going to say, Becca? Drugs and alcohol. Like addictions and stuff, yeah. Money. Money. Have you guys had uh, these broken marriages really impact your lives, too? Okay, obviously none of you have been married, but these marriages that you witnessed that haven't been good have probably impacted your guys' lives in a good way. Infidelity? Yeah, infidelity. Infidelity. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one that you guys have mentioned is in the list of, like, the top seven reasons that marriages fall apart. So you guys are definitely, you're seeing the right thing. So, but the sad thing is, is that we all know what makes a marriage fail, <laughs> you know, that we've seen it so many times. Um, so today, we don't want to so much focus on what makes a marriage fail, <laughs> because you all, you all know that pretty well yourselves. Um, but we want to focus on what makes a marriage thrive, and what are the keys to having a good marriage. And so that's why we want to open up our marriage to give examples and say, this is how it works. So today, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And even even if a lot of you know a lot of marriages end in divorce, technically, it's a hard statistic to, to really nail down, and there's a lot of disagreement. You guys have probably heard that 50% of marriages fail, and while that is kind of true, it's because uh, a lot of people that have been divorced have been divorced multiple times. Does that make sense? So the more accurate st- statistic is that 33% of adults that have been married have also been divorced. And many of those have been divorced numerous times, bumping up the whole stats to like 50. But it's still, you know, somewhere around 67% of people that get married will stay married. And that, I don't think, is getting any better. It's probably getting a lot worse. But you guys, a lot of marriages that uh, that stay together are, emotion- are, are, are divorced emotionally. Does that make sense? So just because they survive, as far as not getting divorced, uh, we've seen marriages where they don't. I mean, they don't talk, they don't sleep in the same room, they don't have sex, they don't... And they're just, like, bad roommates. And so even if they're not divorced, they're still missing what God has for them in marriage. So we want to give you guys the keys to win. And so we've kind of put those keys into an acronym that you should all write down right now. ACE THIS. Uh, and, uh, and ACE MARRIAGE. So if you want to ACE THIS, if you want to ACE MARRIAGE, here are the, the main areas, the main seven areas... That, that you want to nail down. And we'll explain them as we go. We're going to explain each of these briefly and then tell you where we're at with each of these and where we're growing. Uh, the first one is agape love. 
The second one is communication. The third one is expectations. Next is target. Next is household. That would include the physical issues of marriage, like where you're going to live, how you're going to handle your money, how you're going to pay your bills, things like that. Next is intimacy, and last is sex. Not because that's the last issue in your marriage, but just because... It works in acronym. Yeah, it works in acronym, and if we start with that, you guys would all quit listening as soon as we're done. So we have to leave it at the end and make you keep listening. So anyway... Uh, some, one thing that I think you guys need to get down, because some of you might not understand this com- completely, is that God has a specific design for marriage. He created it. In fact, one time we heard this amazing quote that said that marriage was, in, was the first institution invented before the fall of man. So it was invented before church. It was invented before Christ came to this earth. So this is how important that God thinks marriage is. It, was, it came before the fall of man. The only one that came from really. So marriage is really important, and marriage has been designed by God for a few things. Um, we took some of these ideas from the Family Life Conference but, that we went to a few years ago. And the first one is that it, marriage really does mirror God's image, and it talks about that in Ephesians 5, and how it does that, uh, multiple, multiple ways it does that, but because God has created me as a woman uniquely with unique characteristics, and God has created Nate as a man with unique characteristics. And each of those combine to show an adequate representation of who God is and who Christ is to the world. A marriage relationship that is functioning correctly, I should say. Um, a lot of times a marriage doesn't uh, mirror what God wants it to mirror. Another thing is uh, marriage mutually completes one another. It, it does, the scripture does say that it is not good for a man to be alone. Um, and so, it's a life application verse, guys. <laughs> and so you mutually complete one another. That doesn't mean that you fulfill all each other's deepest needs. What that does mean is, like Elizabeth Elliot said, you complement each other. Um, you, you have this companionship for life. And it's a more beautiful and more intimate companionship than you'll have with any of your friends, you know, any of your family members, a healthy, thriving relationship. And that's what it should be. And then the third one is multiply a godly legacy. And God has really changed our perspective on kids a lot. You know? um, at first we're like, oh, two kids will be the typical American thing. But like Nick said yesterday, I heard over here, where is Nick? I can't find him. Right there. There he is. Um, said yesterday that why wouldn't you want to put as many little Christians in the world as possible? You know what I mean? <laughs> Not that we want to have ten kids. The word that gypsy, pastor, taxi driver in Romania had for us is slowly but surely coming true. <laughs> Once we're in Romania, we, we wanted to wait five years or so before having kids, and we're in this taxi, and I'm trying to share the gospel with this guy, and it turns out he's a believer. And he's a gypsy pastor. Gypsies are pretty fiery in Romania. They're pretty passionate and zealous. And so he goes, Brother, do you have children? You know, because it's just Aaron and I in the taxi. And I said, we, we hope to in the future. And I just meant that like, kind of like a... We're waiting. Like a, we're waiting, but I didn't want to rub him wrong, so I just said, we hope to in the future. He slams on the brakes and throws his hands in there, and he goes, Brother, God can give you children. God, I pray that you give my brother ten children. I pray that you give my brother ten children, God. And he's like, Brother, if you believe, God will give you ten children. And in my mind, I'm like, God, not now, not now. I don't know if I'm ready for ten children. We have something with taxi drivers in foreign countries that talk about our children. 
children for us. <laughs> we had our Greek taxi driver name our child for us. Yeah, the Greek taxi driver said, by the time you come back to Greece, you'll have a boy, and his name will be George. <laughs> and we were back in Greece the next summer, and we did not have a boy, and his name was not George. We will not name our boy George. <laughs> But anyway, guys, so we wanted to start with our little acronym here, and we just want to be really honest about each of these points. We've already been talking 40 minutes, so we're going to try and get through this in like the next 20 and then open it up for some... Hour. Yeah, for the next hour. You guys doing good, though? You staying with us? Uh, I hope that this is something that you guys can get a lot out of, and I hope that our, our example will just be something that you can learn from. And so anyway, we're going to start with agape. I guess there are no slides for me to get to. But agape love kind of comes in three different areas in your marriage. First of all is with God. If you're not in that strong and growing relationship with God, you will not be the spouse that you need to be. I promise you. Okay. The reality of two sinful and selfish people living together is the greatest recipe for disaster in the history of this universe. Okay. And the only way it can become a reality is if you're going to God and your spouse is going to God. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up to crash and burn. And I know there, are a, there. every once in a while you'll see relationships that don't know God and they're doing good. And honestly, guys, that's because uh, we are a fallen world, but we still have aspects of God in our nature. And, and some people are still going to be able to love each other with God's love because we're still made in His image. But it's only in Him that we can grow the way He desires. Does that make sense? We have to have Him at the core. And He has to be above Aaron in my mind and in and, and Aaron... And in Aaron's life, he has to be above me. Because we have a higher standard than ourselves and how we treat each other and how we relate to each other. When we have an argument, I got a bigger fish to fry than Aaron, so to say. Does that make sense? I have to deal with God first. And so there's there's a standard that, that I have to to live up to between me and God. In first Peter three it says it says don't live in it says live in harmony with your wife so that your prayers won't be hindered. See, my relationship with Aaron has direct implications in my walk with God, and vice versa. So the first issue in your marriage is growing closer to Him. And honestly, guys, 1 John 4.16 says that He is love. God is love. And if you want to be able to love your spouse the right way, you've got to have love Himself living in you and living through you to that person. Does that make sense? You're never going to be able to love good enough on your own. I promise you that. Selfishness takes over. When Aaron goes, oh, I got this super bad pain in my back. Could you massage it? You know, sometimes I'm like, sure. Other times, kind of like, uh, I have a pain in my back too. I have a pain in my back too. Why don't you massage that? You know, <laughs> you guys, being unselfish and being selfless requires that strong agape connection with God Himself. Next, it involves an agape unconditional love with your spouse. And for any of you that are going, what in the world does agape mean? Uh, one of our former students, Eli Stewart, defined it this way, unconditionally and unselfishly choosing and acting for another's highest good. Did you get that? Unconditionally and unselfishly choosing and acting for another's highest good. If you want that definition later and you didn't get it just now, I'll give it to you after we're done. That's what it is. It's choosing for each other's good above your own. And it's not always easy. I wish it was, but it's not. And I have to go to God first, and then, out of that relationship, I can love my wife that way. And then the third area, guys, is with your kids. See, I've got to unconditionally and unselfishly love Eliana 
in any future kids that God's going to give us. And that's not so easy. Russ said it before we got married that uh, people that don't have kids are never going to reach the level of maturity of people that do have kids. And that's not an arrogant thing, but kids teach you... (laughs) selflessness like nothing else. Changing a blowout poopy diaper at four in the morning teaches you how to not think of yourself first. (laughs) Staying up all night. Staying up all night with a screaming baby teaches you how to not think of yourself first. You're not going to get that outside of kids. So that's the third level of agape unconditional love. And one thing I want to mention here about um, this order, the order is very important. Um, God first, then your spouse, then your children. A lot of times people will have issues with their spouse, so they'll put their children in front of your spouse. And even though, like, Nate and I will both say that our love for Aliana is, we've never experienced this kind of love before for another human being. And even though we might say we love Aliana more than each other, or we might we say wouldn't like that. we wouldn't word it like that, but the point is is that we put each other before our children. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you need to do. You always put your spouse before your child. Um, because if your marriage relationship isn't secure, then your children are going to be really insecure as well. Um, and they need to see that you love each other first before then. So Areas of that agape relationship? Yeah. Uh, we're, since we are discussing like you know, earlier about what makes a marriage fail, in a agape relationship, some of the important areas that you see that you have to continually be working on uh, commitment, trust, forgiveness, and servanthood. Uh, if you don't have those, <laughs> your agape love relationship is is in for a lot of trouble. Um, especially the area, I think, of forgiveness. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, so where are we at? We're going to talk about where we're at. And I think with God, we're growing individually and, and together. And honestly, guys, your walk with God will go in phases. Um, I think... And you walk with God with each other goes in phases. Yeah. Too, so. I think there have been times where I've been way closer to God than I am right now. Okay, just just being honest and vulnerable with you guys. And I, uh, it's and this isn't an excuse, but it has a lot to do with the distraction of having a kid. <laughs> since since the beginning of the year, Eliana's been getting up at 5.30. I get up at 5.30 every day to spend time with God, and she's been getting up every day at like 5.31, 5.32. 5.17, sometimes earlier in 5.30. And Erin's pregnant, so I don't want to wake her up. I need it. And so I try to balance Eliana watching baby Einstein <laughs> and reading God's Word or praying. And it's really hard for me to, to really connect with God uh, with that kind of level of distraction. And I'm, I'm there every morning. I'm not, like, neglecting my quiet time or anything like that. But I'm, I guess it's, you're going to go through phases, guys. And uh, you're, if you're passionate about pursuing God... He's going to walk through those things with you. You know, and balancing, I think, crazy, it's like interesting, but balancing your marriage and as a parent with your relationship with God, it, I mean, you have to be really balanced at it because it is difficult. It is difficult to put God as a priority in a marriage, and it is difficult to put God as a priority in, you know, as a parent, especially because your child is always demanding your attention. And so. But that is important because it, it's like God needs to come first in your marriage relationship. And I think that every time a new thing comes up, Nate and I have to work at building back into how do we put God first in our lives. Um, 
And I can tell you guys, if my quiet time isn't what it needs to be in the morning, those are the days that I end up arguing with Aaron. Does that make sense? It's, it is like a rule of the universe. If I'm not where I need to be with God, I'm going to end up not being the husband that I need to be to my wife. Those are the days that we snap at each other, get angry with each other, argue with each other. And um, not to say that's it's not often. We don't have tons of arguments, and we'll get there under communication. But I want to tell you guys, you've got to connect with God. You've got to connect with God. So that's kind of where we're at, and we're growing, and, and I think that we're learning to balance. Like, we're, we're you just flex. <laughs> we're, like, trying everything. You know, skip naps in the morning, put her down later at night, just let her scream it out in the morning when she wakes up at 5.30. The other, the other morning I just said, okay, whatever she does, I am not going in there. I'm connecting with God. And she's like kind of making noise, making noise, making noise. And then all of a sudden she goes, dad, dad. <laughs> oh, okay. She just won. <laughs> going in and getting her. But you guys, you just flex with it. And, and you do everything you can to, to make God your highest focus so that you can be the, what you need to be to your spouse. And that if you can love, if, if your agape relationship with Christ and, and fellowship with Christ is where it needs to be, then it will be with your wife and your kids too. And one thing that I think, I think we're doing pretty good in the area of agape love mm-hmm. for each other. Um, obviously, from day to day, we don't always agape love each other. But overall, you know, Nate and I are, have so much security in our relationship. We trust each other so much. I don't, I don't have any, any issues or any areas where I'm like, oh, I don't trust Nate in this area, you know. And so I think that's really cool about one thing, how we're doing. Uh, commitment is the same, I think. Forgiveness. Aaron and I are real quick to forgive each other. I think that's a strength in our marriage that we'll mention later. But uh, we can get into an argument, and ten minutes later, we're asking each other's forgiveness and getting it. Uh, I think you're actually out. faster at forgiving me than I am. <laughs> You I, I, well, no, I have, I have a little bit. I have a little bit more stubbornness, I think, than you. <laughs> and serving, guys. Uh, I, I think we're we're pretty good at serving. Aaron's been serving me a ton lately, and and that really makes me feel special. And she knows things that are important to me. I'm I'm kind of like a neat freak, and it stresses me out pretty hardcore. Uh, I, I do a lot of the cleaning too. I don't just like I said, like clean the house, woman. <laughs> okay, like I do my share of cooking and cleaning. I mean a lot, but you know when I get home from campus and her toys are everywhere, it, I'm like, <gasps> I almost have a panic attack. You know, these are little issues in our lives that bug each other. <laughs> and so even though she's totally okay with letting Eliana have freedom and rock the house, um, she she respects and serves me. You know, lately, whenever I get home, she's been doing so much to make sure that that I don't have a panic and anxiety attack at once and crash and burn. So thank you for serving me, Aaron. Okay, we're going to go next to... Communication. Uh, this is a very, very important topic to talk about because uh, not very many people get this one right. Um, and communication is also the foundation for the rest of them, for expectations, for target, for household, intimacy, and sex. Uh, communication is key to being able to have healthy, the rest of them be healthy and thrive in your marriage. Uh, some areas of communication, it's not just, I'm, I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. It's learning how to listen well and learning how to express yourself well. Those are big areas where you have to learn how to communicate. Um, you have to learn how to be a listener. You have to learn how to be a talker. Um, 
And you have to strive to understand each other and not just want to, I'm going to say my piece and I'm not going to even listen to what you have to say. And I think that's where a lot of marriages go wrong is when they communicate, usually in an argument, they just talk over each other and they're not listening to each other, not listening to each other's points, um, or they're not communicating effectively. And in some areas that Nate and I have... <laughs> We're not the smartest people in the world. It took us five or six years to realize that guys and girls speak different languages. <laughs> I'm going to use one example from today. This morning, Erin was going to go get ready. She hands me Eliana, and she goes, I'm going to go wash my hair, whatever girls do. And then she says, and uh, by the way, there are pancakes right over there. And she leaves. And I'm just sitting here chatting away. Because when you tell a guy there are pancakes over there, the guy goes, yep, there are. <laughs> They're right there. That's where the pancakes are. Okay? And about 15 minutes later, it hit me. I wonder if she meant I should feed Eliana pancakes. See, to a girl, we would get that right away, right? <laughs> pancakes, uh, you, you took the, the girl, you feed the girl pancakes. <laughs> see, and see, we found in our relationship, I would say things, and Aaron would get angry at me. And I'd be like, how could you get angry at that? All I said was, we should really start working out together. <laughs> I'm a guy. I just mean like, man, we should really start working out together. understand what you mean. All the guys are like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> All the girls get it. All the girls are thinking, he thinks I'm fat. <laughs> okay? See, we started realizing, holy cow, we're thinking, we're, we're on, we're in two different planets here. Our, our communication is not the same. So if you want to understand each other, there's a little trick. Guys learn how to understand girl language. Girls learn how to understand guy language. If a guy says something, most often there's no hidden meaning. I promise you. Right, guys? You're not saying something meaning like something that only a supercomputer could, could deduce, right? <laughs> Serious. Serious. If you say it, you mean it. That's all you mean. You don't mean more, you don't mean less. That's that. But understand, too, guys, that women are going to analyze that from, like, 97 different angles in a tenth of a second and then hold you accountable for every one of those angles that's not right. And that means you guys need to be more sensitive as well yeah. and not be so blunt. Yeah. It's true. So, and you guys, neither one is right, neither one is wrong. Even though I really think guys are right and girls are wrong, I just have to say that because we're up here. No, I'm just joking. I'm just no, joking. Girls are most sens more sensitive, <laughs> it's true. And intuitive, yeah. and we are we want to we're better communicators. This is like one of our arguments at the house. Yes. Now, you see, you we just learned need to learn like, guy language. That's we it. We learned this three years ago, and we still haven't gotten it right. Still, <laughs> still, we're still working on. So strive to understand each other. It's a big part of communication. If you can get communication right, everything else falls into place. Everything, guys. Money, sex, all these things. Your vision, your goals that you're going for, your intimacy, your expectations. It all falls into place if you can get communication right. And one thing we also learned in our relationship is that our past history really affects how we communicate and how we approach a certain situation or a certain argument. Like, you know, his issues he'll bring to the table, and my issues will bring to the table. Or the way he reacts to certain things will be from, you know, issues in his past, and the same with me. And to really start to understand that and say, okay, wait, when he's reacting this way, it's because this is a habit. It's not because he's trying to hurt me or trying to, um, 
be mean or anything. This is just the way he reacts, and I need to understand it. So that's like brings another component in. So this is it's just amazing how much you learn about someone through communication and how much um, you grow together and uh, through it. Um, so that was listening, like learning how to listen, learning how to okay respect the other person as they're speaking, but also learning how to express yourself. And one thing that we've always um, believed and know to be true, so get this down, this is very important, is that when you're in the midst of an argument or conflict or disagreement, with even with your family or friends, but especially with your spouse, is always remember the issue is not bigger than your relationship, ever. Because reality, most of our arguments are really stupid <laughs> about stupid things that yeah. have no bearing on life. Really. The biggest arguments you'll ever have in marriage are like, what color some car you saw in Dallas was. <laughs> you're crazy, it was white. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it was pink. Oh, you're so insane. I can't believe that you can't remember it was white. And I can't believe so. how insensitive you are. I mean, and then you just start going into, yeah. you know, it's no longer about the white and red car, it's about something else. It was pink, Aaron. And then we don't even remember, and then we don't even remember what we argue about. I'm sorry, I'm sorry too. What were we even arguing about? I can't remember. <laughs> and then we argue about what it is we said, and we're like, I didn't say that. Yeah. Did. <laughs> See, this, you guys, this is your flesh. And this is Satan working against you and against each other. Does that make sense? He wants to destroy relationships. And he's not, it's not just like every argument you have will be over, you know, what stock you invest in. I don't know. It's going to be over some pretty stupid stuff. And no matter what it is, the argument is not bigger in the relationship. And so communicate. Mm -hmm. So some of the things for some of the things to in order to communicate is you have to set ground rules. I know that sounds kind of funny, but before you learn or before you get into a conflict, you have to have ground rules set up. So that way when you do get into an argument or conflict, you know, okay, these are the ground rules, let's follow them so that way this doesn't go out of control. And we start saying things that hurt each other. Um, so, some of the things that we've learned through trial and error is that some different ground rules is number one, uh, you never ever call each other names, ever, ever, ever. That is a big no-no. Never call each other names, never demean each other's character. Um, you never... Um, say never. Never say never. Or always. Or always. Those really get us. Always do this to me. No, she doesn't always do this to me. She also eats and she also does her hair and she also takes care of the child that I love and she also loves me. Yeah. So don't use these absolute terms because they don't get you anywhere. They just create a lot of passion and anger. And realize that your memory is really faulty and you can't trust it, even though in the middle of the argument you know you're right and your spouse is wrong. You know, you remember it perfectly and your spouse does not. The truth is, you probably both don't remember what you're talking <laughs> the about. The truth is, they feel equally strong. <laughs> <laughs> so, recognize that, okay, i got to be reasonable with my memory and I don't remember everything that we've talked about just five minutes ago. So. And <laughs> if I do, it's not bigger than our relationship. Right. So it's not the end. And one thing that we've learned recently, it's kind of funny, it takes seven and a half years to learn this, is that when you have an issue, when an issue does come up that does need to be addressed, and it's not something stupid like what color is the car, uh, then instead of just letting it stew and you get mad, you s for girls this is really important because guys, they don't want to hear like all ten 
reasons why you're mad at them at once. That's not a good idea. <laughs> um, and they just want to go with the relationship and think that everything is fine and dandy. So what you do is you set up an appointment. And I know it sounds kind of like, oh, that's not very intimate. But you set up an appointment and you say, I want to meet with you on Monday at this time to discuss this issue. So that way you're both prepared and you're not going to, you're not angry, you have time to think about it, you're not going to go in with your defenses up and you're going to discuss this issue. And then you actually get somewhere and you talk and you grow from that, which is really cool. Actually, I think a lot of times we've grown a lot after we've settled down from getting mad at each other and having a conflict or argument and we've talked it out and we've grown a lot from that. So actually talking things through really develops your relationship. It's pretty cool. Okay, now agape and communication are probably the two biggest foundational issues of those. The rest we're going to go through kind of quickly, so bear with us. The next one is expectations, and this was a huge one for us. It was bigger for me than for Erin. I had more unrealistic expectations than she did, uh, and I'll explain that later. But honestly, it's kind of like this. Let's say you guys go to a pizza place, right? This actually happened to Erin and I on that support trip with 29 states, 18,000 miles. Uh, we're in, I don't know. Some ra- Detroit, or I don't know, we're in some oh, random city, and we walk in, we walk into a pizza place, and we get, we order this pizza, we're about to go back to the hotel, and I ask the guy, can I get a bunch of Parmesan cheese to take with us, right, little packets of Parmesan cheese, okay, is that a wrong thing to ask, the guy says, uh, we don't, we don't carry that, what do you feel, what would you feel if you're a pizza place for crying out loud. Parmesan? Are you in business? Okay. That was the biggest example to us of expectations. You, each of you guys, from your past, from what you've learned, from all these things, you've developed your expectations of what marriage is going to look like. And in your mind, it's you don't even know they're an expectation. It's just the way things are. It's the way the universe works. Um, it's a natural law. Can I, can I be really... Open about my expectation about sex. <laughs> In our pre-marriage books, <laughs> as a guy, the guys look at this. It's like, what are your expectations about sex? And I was like, multiple times a day as time allows. <laughs> as an unrealistic expectation. Okay. So, <laughs> I just figured, gosh, I'm waiting all these years to get married. I'm going to make the most of it. <laughs> That, that you don't even know are expectations. They're a part of the fabric of your thinking. And your wife, your future wife or husband, uh, are going to have different expectations. And there's going to be a collision when you realize you both expect something opposite of what the other one expects. And that could be a place where you could have a lot of conflict. And we did. Here are some that we uh, that we expected of our marriage together that didn't happen. So you'll have expectations of each other, and then together you'll have expectations of what it will be like. Does that make sense? And in all these areas, you have to have grace with yourself and with each other. And uh, here are some that we thought would be a certain way, and they weren't. We thought we would spend time regularly with friends. We even put in our pre-marriage stuff every single week. 
uh, dude, life gets going, and we'll go months without hanging out with another couple sometimes. That's not right. And we credit each other. We don't have any friends. <laughs> we said we would never own credit cards, except for one that we keep in a box for extreme emergencies overseas. And we have several credit cards. We, I'll make a note, we don't have credit card debt, um, but we use them a lot, and we pay them off right away. And But anyway, it was an expectation that didn't quite happen. Uh, about pets, we said, yes, we'll have a pet. We're going to have a German Shepherd. <laughs> Brandy <That was> is <laughs> not a German Shepherd. <laughs> that was my demand. Yeah. I grew up with them. Uh, so we, we thought that we would... the only dog to have. <laughs> we thought that we would cultivate different hobbies together, which we haven't really done a whole lot of different hobbies, so to say, except maybe traveling, maybe food. We've cooked a lot together. And we thought we'd have a joint quiet time every single morning together, in addition to our personal quiet times. That has not happened. Life gets going. That, that's time that if you can budget it, good, but it's hard. Uh, we find that we typically pray together before we go to bed. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time every single day, all the time in the Word. We've gone through different periods in our marriage where we do, and other periods in our marriage where we're talking more about what we're learning, like Mark and Hetty were saying. Uh, it's something that our expectation was wrong, and we want to get better at that. Uh, we also uh, nailed it on some. We, we expected some things that came to pass. Uh, we, we said we'd buy a house as soon as we possibly could and quit running. We did. We said that we'd have kids uh, starting five to eight years after we got married. It was about six after we got married. We said that we'd have a date night every week, and I think we have pretty much every week since we got married. Uh, we said that we would uh, manage our finances a certain way, that we'd, give, that we'd tithe and give above that, and uh, that we would budget. And we've done pretty good at that, although we need to grow in that. right? And we'll talk about that briefly in a minute. But there were a lot, that, a lot of things that we didn't expect. Well, and some of the things, too, that just looking back on it, we've grown out of a lot of those expectations, or we've grown out of a lot of, like, Nate, I'm going yeah, to say just really quick. Uh, Nate, when it says, where would you like to live? He says, in the mountains away from the city. And that is not Nate at all. Nate wants to be, oh, and you said in a house. Nate wants to live in an apartment in the middle of the biggest city in the world. I'm a people person. I really like people. And, and living where, living out of town where we live kind of can bother me sometimes. And I obviously don't want a German Shepherd. So you grow out of, you're not going to stay the same in your marriage. You're not going to stay the same person. And so you grow. You grow together. You grow, you're different. I'm a totally different person now than I was then, so. In things that will happen that you don't expect. I, I've had headaches for four straight years, on and off. And we never expected that. It's altered a lot of our finances, our eating, and a lot of things. Uh, we had two miscarriages before we had Eliana. We didn't expect that either, guys. Uh, and God will bring good out of the bad, but expect the unexpected. And a lot of times when you get into marriage, you think, well, my life isn't going to be that hard. You know, Maybe I'll have some ups and downs. But you don't realize that if you have bad expectations and bad communication... You know, that'll chip away at your marriage, and then all of a sudden you'll have these huge, hard things happen to you in your life. And if your marriage isn't solid, those are really, really either going to weaken your marriage even more or bring it to its knees. And so that's one thing to be aware of is like not having a realistic or not having this unrealistic expectation that your life is going to be really good all the time and your marriage is always going to be a piece of cake, you know, and know that hard times are going to come. I think one thing that we're really good at with expectations, even though all the time we 
find that we have expectations of each other that are unrealistic is that we both individually have really good boundaries when it comes to that. So when I have an expectation of Nate and I get all mad at him because he's not fulfilling it, he'll call me out on it totally be like, that's an unrealistic expectation. Get over it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll do the same to him. No way am I going to fulfill that expectation, you know what I mean? So that's healthy to have boundaries in marriage too, so, and not try to live up to unrealistic expectations that are just going to drive you crazy. So, yeah. uh, The next thing is target. A very important thing, and this goes back to the whole don't be unequally yoked, is to have the same vision, the same goals, the same uh, direction in life. Uh, and to keep that in line with each other. Sure, you might, right now, Nate and I, uh, I'm not able to be on campus anymore because, as, or as much as I want because of Eliana. But together we still have a life that we want to be in the ministry, we want to serve you guys. And so even though we're two separate uh, physical locations, we're still backing each other up. We still have the same goals and vision. We still have Christ-centered in our marriage, so... So your target and vision are huge, and I think we're, we're strong in that. I think that we are we couldn't be more going the same direction, and that's one thing that I love about Aaron in, in our relationship. In our household, going next to the household, the, whole, the physical context of your marriage, your house, your responsibilities, your money, uh, it's, it's stuff that you need to be on top of, otherwise it will rock your marriage. And it can be really stressful, keeping those things in line. And I'll just say, guys, giving, budget, debt, savings, investment... Uh, we're all, Aaron and I are pretty on track with most of the areas. Uh, we give uh, over 10% away to God every month, and it's a joy to us. We love to give. We don't have tons of money, but we love to give what we do have. And God blesses us. I can tell you guys, God has blessed us beyond any of my expectations. He's provided needs that, I mean, I've never heard stories like what we hear about God providing. And I think it's because of God, but secondly, I think it's out of our generosity. God bless, and He says that He says, "Test me and see if I won't open the, the floodgates of heaven." Uh, and He does, you guys. And I think one thing to note here is that money can be very stressful. Like finances can be very stressful on your marriage. Like even with us, when we are in control of our finances, when things are tight, it's stressful. It's very stressful, and you get irritated because you're stressed out because, oh my goodness, money's tight, and so you can get irritated with each other. And I think too. One thing, this is where a ex- bad expectation of mine is, is I'm very much a penny pincher, and Nate is more generous with our money. And I, I view that as Nate spends too much, when in reality he doesn't at all. But I'm very tight with my money, and so my expectation is, well, you need to be like me. But but we are learning better, more and more to communicate with how should we spend our finances, and that's an important area is that a lot of times people go wrong because they don't communicate how should we spend our money? And they're not on the same page with that. The husband or wife will spend whatever they want and not not talk to the spouse about it. And one of the ground rules we set up was spending, just to keep our consciences clear too, is that we won't even buy a coffee without saying, hey, I'm going to go do this. And I know like that's probably, some, some for some people that might be a little too much, but for us it works. And that way we feel like we're open and honest. Because I know a lot of people will say, I bought this, like, a week ago, and I can't tell my husband about it, and I can't tell my wife about it, and that's not okay. That is not godly. That creates so many problems in your marriage. So. We actually keep every single receipt. I mean, if I spend sixty cents buying Reese's peanut butter cup on campus, I'm going to keep that receipt. And Erin will notice if I don't keep it. <laughs> She'll say, "Hey, 
our bank statement said you spent 60 cents. Do you have that receipt? <laughs> uh, like seriously, we're really good about keeping on the same page with our finances. I can tell you um, that uh, that you guys tithe. When you get married, we there's never been a time in our marriage where we haven't tithed. And God's been faithful to meet our needs. Put Him first and He will bless you. I think there's no other blessing in your life than to know that you're investing your money in eternity. Does that make sense? Like, your money is going to eternal purposes, and I think that's really cool. I can tell you where we're weak in finances. Uh, Our savings has always been just like our Achilles heel. Uh, It's hard to budget, but in Durango, things are expensive, and we don't make tons of money. But on the flip side of that, we could always do better saving. And and It's hard because our food budget, because Nate can't eat normal things like everybody else can, so that makes it difficult. That's kind of weird. But uh, so one of our goals right now is to get better at saving and to get better at investing. So that's just it. So we're going to go on real quickly. The next area is the area of intimacy, and a lot of you guys think it's all about sex, but it's not. Intimacy is a huge area. It combines a huge area. And it's uh, intimacy is... Um, becoming one um, physically, becoming one spiritually, becoming one emotionally, and becoming one financially. And just being um, being one in that. And in Genesis 2.24, it talks about this. It talks about leaving and cleaving. And I know those are kind of weird words. But it talks about leaving your family and clinging to your spouse or becoming one with your spouse. And so what you're doing is you're... You're cutting off your allegiance with all these other relationships and making your spouse your number one allegiance. And so uh, so cutting off relationships that drag you down or cutting off relationships that will try to control um, you and your family and really hurt you. And a lot of times, this is where couples aren't so great, is they allow specifically their parents to influence their relationship or their parents to bad talk their spouse or um, their parents to control them as an individual. And that can really damage your relationship um, with your spouse. And we haven't really had any issues with this. We've basically told our parents to stay out of our out of our marriages. You know, at our wedding, we made our parents come up and in front of everybody commit to staying out of our marriage, and which is cool. Good. And they've done pretty good. I think like my parents have definitely stayed out of like our marriage. Your parents have too. But I think out of our personal lives, they still try to sneak in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so anyway, and then you cleave to each other, and I just want to say, guys, that's that's a crazy word for this intimacy thing. And the the real deal is, I think both of us just in the last couple months have admitted to each other things that, like, we've realized that we're kind of scared of intimacy. It's kind of weird, but uh, deep down, I think there's a part of me that's scared to of complete intimacy with Aaron and her and me. And I almost think I feel that way with God sometimes. And I think that. Uh, as I grow closer to God, reaching that complete intimacy, I'm growing that way with my wife too. But that's the biggest goal of our marriage this year right now, is becoming completely intimate in every way, where we're one. I think too, um, intimacy is so big and so scary, because you come in, and a lot of times we have so much shame from our past, or we have so much, so much you know, lots of things in our past that we're afraid to share with others. We're like, we don't want it, we don't want to let this person know, because then what will they think of us? And one thing cool about intimacy in a relationship where the spouse is giving you agape love is that when you do share uh, these things, that you see um, this true acceptance and true love of you as an individual, and it really helps you grow and helps you gain 
intim- intimacy with God too, because you can see that there is forgiveness, or there there is, hey, this person doesn't hate me because I messed up, or that I'm a mess, or something like that. So. We're a team, and we're going growing closer. Okay, the last one, sex. Everybody's been waiting to get there. But summarizing, guys, ace this. You get these things right, you're going to ace your marriage, and you'll have a marriage God plan for you. Ace, agape, communication, expectations, this, target, household, intimacy, sex. It's good stuff, guys. If you can get those seven things right, you are on the right track. So getting to sex, it's not just easy. If there was anything I figured we would never have a problem with, it was sex. I just figured, like, how could you mess that up? <laughs> right? It should come Pretty simple. <laughs> it's been probably the biggest source of problems in our marriage. And because we've worked at it, it's become awesome. It is really that good. But what I'm saying, guys, is it's not just... The world lies to you. The world lies to you. It's not just that easy. Right? There's a lot of communication, a lot of hard work, a lot of expectations involved. Everything we just talked about. Common vision and goals and agape love. and I mean, all those things, guys, they all have a lot to do with sex. Even household money. Dude, if I'm like spending money without telling Aaron about it, it's going to create some tension that's going to result in some... Loss of sex for you. Loss of sex for me. Okay. But, but seriously, guys, this is not so easy. Don't expect it to be and if easy. you guys think that you can have good sex life outside of a marriage relationship, you are completely deceived and totally dumb. We're going to have a lot of people. Guys, there is grace. Yeah, there is grace. But, I mean, having that expectation, like a lot of people say, well, you need, you need to live with a person before you get married, or you need to... Try test drive the car or whatever. Uh, 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 uh. Not at all. <laughs> Somebody asked me, "How do you guys know you're compatible?" It's <laughs> like I'm a man, she's a woman. <laughs> Pretty sure we're compatible. <laughs> okay, yeah, those are lies that people believe. I want to run through uh, some another a couple more acronyms because I love acronyms, and you can write these down or get them for me later. But sex inside marriage or outside marriage? Sex inside marriage is great, okay? That's an acronym, and it stands for this. Uh, G, it's grounded. There's a foundation. There's commitment. There's security. There's stability. There's safety. There's no fear. STDs. Uh, And not to be crass, guys, but condoms suck, okay? Like, the world's idea of safe sex, seriously, guys, it's boring, dumb, gross sex, okay? God made it awesome, he made this to be shared by people where you don't have to wear a condom because you don't have that fear. Does that make sense? God made this to be awesome, and the world sells so short. So grounded, respectful, are. Freedom to be yourself and to accept your spouse for who they are. Safe to experiment, and you're able to grow together. This person's there for the long run. Yeah, if you mess up one night, who cares? Try again the next, you know Yeah. I mean? Okay, E, equal. The two individuals that are growing and learning together, communicating and sharing expectations and desires. You're two equals, and you're meeting together, and you're making this something awesome. Okay, agape, love-centered. That's the A. Selfless, unconditional love is the greatest foundation for sex. Serving and putting each other first, desiring each other's highest good, that makes sex awesome. When Aaron serves me in sex, putting me first... It blows my mind. And what I'm saying, guys, when we have this desire to serve each other, it makes sense what God intended it to be. 
And then finally, T, time enhanced. Sex is progressive in marriage. It gets better. Sex now is, I can't even quantify it. I mean, hundreds of times better than it was seven and a half years ago. I'm not kidding you. It gets better. And Russ and Linda told us that when we were in pre-marriage counseling. And I said, now I know you're lying. I mean, you guys are both all athletes and everything. And now you're all like in your 50s. There's no way it's better. <laughs> Once you get into marriage, you see it is progressive. And after a shared life and a shared history of putting each other first in sex and learning and growing together, it gets awesomer and awesomer and awesomer. So it's grounded, respectful, equal, agape-centered, and time-enhanced. And so it's great. Outside of marriage, it is awful, okay? And this took me like four hours to come up with these acronyms before the last men's retreat, or two men's retreats ago. Okay, it's ambiguous. A, it's ambiguous. There's no foundation. There's no commitment. There's insecurity, instability, and danger. That creates an underlying sense of ambiguity that really takes away from sex. It's weary or wearying. It is performance-based acceptance. You're not safe to experiment. You're experiment. You're not able to grow in that relationship. It's performance-based. You mess up. I'm ditching you for that other person. Does that make sense? See, it's not. It's not um, agape-centered, but it's performance-based acceptance. You really don't learn how to do it well because you're most of the time you get into a relationship and then you break up and then you get into a relationship and you break up and so you never are able to progress it. It's never able to go anywhere. F, it's factional, guys. It's two individuals seeking their own ends, arguing with and misunderstanding each other. Aaron and I were in the, in the cafeteria once before Eliana came, just eating with some of the students. Uh, and, and there's this guy and his girlfriend and her friend. And she, in front of this whole table at the cafeteria, is telling everybody how bad this guy was in sex. And, I mean, like using a lot of really crass descriptions and, um, and explanations. That's, that's factional. That's each person seeking their own good. And that's not good sex. That's bad. You, it's ungenerous. It's selfish and conditional. Using each other for your own desires. Full of shame and regret. You girls, guys that want to have sex with you outside of marriage, they want to use you. Nothing else. Right? And guys, don't ever be the guy that uses her. I'm just being serious, guys. Outside of marriage, it's ungenerous. And finally, L, it's lost time. Right? A past full of regrets. A present that's selfish and insecure. And a future that's uncertain. And all that means is that sex gets more painful and less satisfying the longer you're in that cycle of sex outside of marriage. And what I'm saying, guys, is God forgives and He heals. If you've been there, and I bet several of you have, God renews you and restores you, and you can have the great sex life that He intends in the future. You have not blown it. You're going to have to work through issues, but you guys, do it God's way. It's awesome. It's, it's raging awesome. I'll just come flat out and say, I love having sex with you, Aaron. I love having sex with you, too. <laughs> As you can see, I love you,
You know what I mean? Could you imagine how horrible that is in the back of your mind, thinking, he's not as good as this guy was, or he doesn't please me like this guy did, you know? I mean, what a horrible thing to bring to your marriage, um, and what a sad thing, and what a hurtful thing to you. And so, I have no regrets, um, because, you know, I don't have these memories, I don't have this past cycle, you know? But, like Nate said, there is healing, even for other past issues, there is healing. And God will help you to have an awesome sex life. So, and I'll tell you guys, um, this is kind of off track, but sexual stimulation produces epinephrine in your bloodstream, and epinephrine it aids memory. It's a clinically proven fact. So, when you are having sex, you will remember those things. And we've seen people get divorced because the wife just refuses to have sex with the husband because she can't get the memories of past partners out of her head. Um, Not to say that that is in store for any of you that maybe have that in your past. God can heal you. But what I am telling you is um, when we do it God's way, it's so good. And that that same epinephrine, that is is an asset in marriage. Right? Knowing Aaron's generosity for me in sex, I remember that. Right? And it really increases my love for her and my respect for her and my desire to serve her and, and kind of show her that same that same generosity. Okay, so you guys, even in past experiences, trust God and He'll heal you. Alright, so we're just going to close with some of our top weaknesses, top strengths. So our, our top five weaknesses, I think, my biggest weakness in marriage has been expectations. And it's uh, different expectations I just had. I came into marriage with a lot of expectations. And, uh, and I think that that's been hard to really learn how to go through those. And in my, one of my biggest weaknesses is vulnerability. And that prevents me from being open and honest with what I want or how I feel about certain situations. And it, gets us, it definitely creates some conflict in our, in our lives. I think both of us, uh, we have different energy levels. This would be a weakness. But it's also a strength. We've learned to complement each other, but at times it's driven us a little crazy. I'm like the go till the end of the earth, do a million things right now, this hour guy. And Aaron's kind of like, I want to chill out. I want to take this the right way. And, you know, we get to Hawaii and I have a booked schedule the whole time we're there. And she just wants to sit on the beach all day. That's kind of how we're different. And that can create a lot of problems, or we can learn to complement each other and work as a team. And we can learn to. Okay, I will let go of my slow pace and join you in your fast pace, and you can let go of your fast pace and join me in my slow pace. So we have to work. We're balancing each other, and that's a good thing. But that has been a weakness in our marriage. Uh, I think we we both have put the ministry higher than a lot of other relationships. We've never put it higher in each other, but we've put it higher than friendships outside of our marriage, like just with other couples and so forth. We're really striving to find a balance. Uh, where we can be growing in relationships. We love college students, but you guys are not extremely encouraging to us about raising kids. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, you make good babysitters. But... <laughs> but, see, there are some things that we need to be relating to people that are in the same boat as we are. Uh, you guys have never given me good advice about budgeting my mortgage. <laughs> you have one. <laughs> okay? Uh, so I think that there's an aspect of other relationships that we need to invest in. And see, you guys are so cool that we'd rather hang out with you than couples our age. But we need to do that. I mean, it's rare. It's been probably a month since we hung out with another couple, Rod and Stacy. 
And then it's been several months before that that we hung out with another couple. So that's a weakness that we're trying to grow through. And then finally... We're both really analytical, and that makes us really stubborn. And so that creates some conflict sometimes because we don't want to admit we're wrong. And we can butt heads. Yeah. And, uh, but thankfully, we, we will probably that very day, probably within an hour, ask each other forgiveness. But I wish we never did butt heads, and I wish we never snapped at each other. I'm worse at that than Aaron. I'll just be like, Shh, whatever, you know. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then Aaron's like, it really hurts me when you say that was really a dumb thing. And I'm like, I know, dude, what a stupid idiot I am. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I, so you guys, like, uh, that, that's been a weakness, but we're learning how to, to grow through that. So strengths. Uh, Christ is at the center of our relationship, and he always has been. We've been, we fluctuated in how that kind of worked itself into our marriage. But we see everything in our marriage through the prism of God and his will. And that's a huge strength. We're really good friends. And we came into our marriage as really good friends. And so that's been a really huge strength to us. Uh, It helps to be good friends when you're going through hard times or when you're not really happy with each other. (laughs) It helps to be good friends, too, at the same time. We have good boundaries with each other. We're able to say no. You can't do that. You can't do that. No, that's not right. Okay. Uh, And having good boundaries, knowing where I end and where Aaron begins is important to have a quality relationship. And college students, and I'm just going to be frank and honest, you guys are more often than not very poor at boundaries. And so I would encourage you guys to get good at that before marriage. And what I mean by that is, Know who you are and know who other people are. Know where you end and where they begin. Don't, don't take responsibility for other people's feelings and actions. Right? That's their own choice. Not take responsibility for your feelings and actions. When you say something, it doesn't make someone mad. They choose to be mad. That's their choice. It's not your problem. Does that make sense? So cultivate good boundaries because they're going to be an asset to you in marriage. They will be. And in everything. They'll, be, they'll help you in your future job, ministry, you name it. They're in parenting. Knowing where I end and Eliana begins makes me a better dad. Being able to say, nope, Eliana, you're not getting that. <laughs> you can cry all you want. <laughs> you're free to do that. Uh, I'm not going to make that my insecurity, Eliana. Everybody's going to think you're crazy, not me. No. <laughs> right? Have good boundaries. It's going to a- impact every aspect of your life. I think we're really good at being quick to resolve conflict. This is a big issue. Is a, lot of, uh, a healthy marriage will have conflict. Uh, it doesn't mean that was right to have arguments or conflicts, but it will, because you're unfortunately sinful humans, uh, you will have times of conflict. And the sign of a healthy marriage is not that you never have conflict. The sign of a healthy marriage is that you resolve the conflict and that you don't have bitterness or unresolved, anything unresolved. Um, you don't walk away from a conflict saying, oh, I hate him, or have a little root of bitterness grow. Versus an unhealthy marriage is one where you have conflict and it doesn't get resolved and it just add that conflict adds on to the next conflict, which adds on to the next conflict. Like, I can't tell you, I don't even remember when the last time we argued was, but um, we don't argue very often and um, when we do, we get over it pretty quick. We deal with it, we don't just be like, I'm just ignore this issue, but we talk about it, and we talk it through, and we're like, what did you really mean? Because most of the time, conflict is just a misunderstanding, like you misunderstood what that person said. So, uh, We're on the same page, we're a team, that's a big strength. Mm-hmm. And we always believe the best about each other, so we, we're not thinking, oh, he's doing it to be mean to me, or you know, she's doing it to, you know... She really said that because she thinks I'm stupid. And she's being... 
you know, disrespectful to me or yeah. something like that. So, so we believe about the best, believe the best about each other. We just realize that when we make a mistake, it wasn't to hurt the other person. It was just because we're human and we do stupid things yeah. sometimes. So, where are we trusting God to take us this year? Uh, intimacy. We want to grow in intimacy. Uh, we want to grow in communication. We want to grow closer to God, and uh, we're learning to be better parents as a team. It's kind of hard. really hard to be a parent. Yeah. <laughs> not, Imagine that. Not because it's hard to love Eliana, not at all, but it's really hard to discipline your child. You're like, how do I do this? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's fun learning how to be parents together. So. I'm going to close with our verse that was on both of our wedding rings. I lost the one that had this, but she still has it. It's, on it's Ruth 1, 16 and 17. You can read about Ruth and Naomi later if you want, but Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law. Her husband, Ruth's husband, Naomi's son, had died. So Naomi said, you know, you can go. You don't have to stay with me. And this was Ruth's response. And we wanted to have this attitude in our marriage. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. And uh, when we got married, that was our verse and our commitment to each other. Uh, this is for life. So who wants to go first? Sorry this has been so long, guys. I hope it's given you a good inside view. Has it? Yeah. Is it kind of like, I hope it's been good. We might just skip questions if anybody has any. But anyway, you want to start? Okay, you start. <clears throat> okay, so we wrote notes to each other. You guys are going, So, Nathaniel. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You are the Lord's gift to me. I love you more today than yesterday. I know that I will love you more tomorrow than today. You are my lover and my best friend. I couldn't ask for a better life than a life with you. I know all the other women in the world are envious because of the amazing husband you are. Uh, thank you for continually striving to become the man God wants you to be. I'm so honored to be in a covenant marriage relationship with you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Love you and And I wrote, I don't know what you were thinking nine and a half years ago. <laughs> and I think you were even crazier seven and a half years ago when you married me. But I am extremely thankful. You've been the greatest joy and most treasured gift from God, uh, second only to God himself. You caught my eye 12 years ago. She was, she worked in the cafeteria, and I totally check her out. Um, but I didn't know she, she was a believer. We didn't know each other at all. Caught my eye 12 years ago. You're beautiful, but you're becoming more beautiful uh, the older you get and we get. And, uh, but, and I think that's, um, you know, I never expected you to get physically more beautiful the older you got, but you have. You're the kindest person I've ever known in my life. You're generous to me. Uh, I love how you're so smart. And she's never behind me, guys. There's never a topic that we're talking about and she isn't on the same page. I mean, she is right there intellectually. You're humble and quick to admit when you're wrong. You encourage me and support me so much in everything. You're fun. Aaron, going back to when we were dating, I... We were walking to class together once, and the sprinklers were going. I guess we weren't even dating then. That was one of your criteria. And I wanted to see if she'd be fun before I pursued a dating relationship with her. So I said, let's go run through the sprinklers before class. And 
know, on campus. She's like, let's do it. So we were like jumping through the sprinklers and getting soaking wet. And then we went into a logic class all dripping wet. But she's been fun ever since. And Aaron, we do so many fun things together. I don't know any other couple that's traveled to more exotic and bizarre places and seen God come through on bigger levels and, and just had practical fun where we live and where we're at and in what we do. We're a team, and I feel like we're closer and more of a team now than ever before. And I want to say something that's really attractive to me is that you're the greatest mom that I've ever seen. And Ellie, I'll go, ah, 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 ah. I'll go, what, what is she asking for? Oh, a blueberry. Like, how in the world do you know these things, you know? I mean, like, this is insane. As a guy, like, honestly... I've left her in the car multiple times in the same day uh-huh. and not even known it until I got home. Okay? We don't have the mom gene, but Aaron, you have that gene to the nth degree. And it is so attractive to me how good you are with Eliana and how natural a mom you are, and it makes me want to be a better dad. And Eliana needs that. I love you, and I'm more in love with you today than when I met you. I'm more in love with you than August 15th of 2000. When we start dating, and I'm definitely more in love with you than July 13th of 2002 when we got married. And uh, I can't wait to live the rest of my life with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening.